are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Friday edition of the Locked On NFL podcast. I'm Chris Carter here with your boy Q rocking out at the end of the week we have some training camps that have begun but that's the case here in Pittsburgh right now with the Steelers we'll get to a preview of the New York Jets training camp with John Butchko of Lockdown Jets in the second and third segments but I wanted to take some time to talk to my man Q because the NFL dropped a big memo and policy change this year whereas they are not playing around with the lack of vaccinations now it doesn't say that you have to get a vaccination but this new policy said if there is an outbreak on a team and it significantly impacts you and it starts from players who were not vaccinated, it will make they will the NFL will not be accommodating any switches that go outside the 18-week season that has already been scheduled. That's 17 games plus a bye week for every team. And if that game can't be played within that within those barometers, they are that, that team that, that that had that situation that if it spiked, if it if COVID spiked from unvaccinated players that team will have to forfeit their game. And that caused a wildfire of reactions across the NFL with some of its biggest names, Q. Yeah, it did, you know, and it's funny. And I guess funny might be the wrong word, but um, the NFL did basically strong arm the players and strong arm the, the franchises to get vaccinated. And yeah. I'll say this, I know a lot of players that I know we'll get into it. Didn't like it. A lot of them fired back on Twitter and started talking a lot of noise, but I don't blame the NFL. I really don't. We've had this conversation before, but I don't blame the NFL. Why would you want to go through whatever through in 2020? Why would you want to put yourself through daily testing? I mean, guys that, that like, say they on an off day, most players are off on Tuesday following the week of play. If they're off on Tuesday, they can't go anywhere because they still would have to go to the facility to get their COVID test. Right. If you get vaccinated, you don't have to do that. You could actually be off and not, you know, be able to sleep in and, and not have to get up at five in the morning and go get your test or whatever. It's just, it's so many things that you can eliminate. And it's almost like the players are saying, well, because you're, you're forcing us or you're pushing us to do it. We don't want to do it. And they're all saying that, well, we don't, we don't believe in it. Do you believe in, in, in the team not forfeiting? Yeah. Do you believe in the team, you know, having a competitive edge and, and, and a disadvantage, a huge disadvantage is if you're not vaccinated. And so I just don't get it. I don't blame the NFL for, for putting out the ruling that they did. And I, I just want to see how quick it's going to gonna or how long it's going to take, I should say, for other teams to decide that, hey, man, they're not playing around. Let's just go and get vaccinated and get it over with. They need to do that. The, the numbers are back up on the rise again. And I do not want to see anything like we saw in 2020. Just go do what you got to do. And listen, that's the thing is I feel like the NFL was trying to be patient with people who were questioning the science. Because, listen, Q, as as black men, we understand right. the hesitancy of saying of the government issuing out anything with the history of how black Americans have been exploited and abused with uh, with testing and other problems that revolve, that revolve around health and the lies that have been have been spread. That is a that is a big part of American history that is right. that is often overlooked, but not by the black community. So I get if there's people out there that say, I don't necessarily trust this, but right. I understood that back in January when this was brand new. This has been out for months. The information has been out there for months. We've been able to see this, this roll out and people, people get it. The numbers 
are, are heavily in the favor of taking it to protect you. There are now reports of doctors who are taking on new patients who didn't get the vaccine. And they're saying, please, can you give me the vaccine now because of how poorly they feel? Because now they don't just got COVID. They got this Delta variant that's even worse. And the yeah. doctor's like, I literally can't now because it's too late. It's in your system. I can't do it. Doing this would not help you. So it's the, the NFL is saying, okay, if science won't do it, let's do the rules to make it so that you want to avoid any chance that you're going to cost your team. But DeAndre Hopkins are, are the big, because this was responded to across the board from different, from different people. But, but yeah. DeAndre Hopkins came out and said, basically said, Hey, you know, man, I just, I didn't want to take this and now I'm being forced to, otherwise I'll hurt my team. Maybe I need to think about retirement. Now, maybe Q he's bluffing maybe because DeAndre Hopkins yeah. is like, come on, he's in his prime. This is, He's 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 finally with, with the Cardinals. They got Kyler Murray. They they, they got everything going on with them. I I, per, I personally think that he would not retire in this situation. That he'd find a way to to either get the vaccine or or find a way to make this work. But it, it seems like this is really pushing people to cross over this line in the sand they've drawn about the about the vaccination. And however you feel about vaccinations, this like you said, this is the NFL protecting their brand, protecting the game, and saying like, look. We do not want outbreaks to happen last year. I mean, as a, as a guy who covered the Steelers, I had to watch how an entire Titans game was moved. The Steelers yep. lost a bye week. They never had a bye week in 2020. Wow. And then they had uh, the regular, the thing, what was supposed to be a, a regular a primetime game against the Ravens got moved to a Wednesday game during the day. Um, Steelers-Ravens, one of the biggest rivals in the NFL. The NFL is done with that. They're not trying to have that kind of stuff happen this year. I get what they're doing. You know, and the thing about it is, and I tell this to people all the time on the Lockdown Raiders podcast, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. Right. I'm not telling you you've got to go get vaccinated. But as a team, as we saw in the College World Series for, uh, you know, for baseball, um, teams could be affected if you all of a sudden lose a, a, a large amount of people yep. or a lot of guys, you know, are, are contact tracing. You don't want to lose a game. You don't want to be forced out of the playoffs. You don't want to miss whatever due to this. So if you're on a team that is playing at the highest level, then it's somewhat your responsibility to be respectful to your teammates and be there. What do we always say? The best ability is availability. Yep. This is part of being available is making sure that everything that you need to do to make sure you can play on Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whatever day it is you can do. And that's what this is. So, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins says, maybe I, I need to think about retirement. He also deleted that tweet. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's gone viral, but it's deleted. So that kind of lets you know where he's at. I mean, hey, if you don't want to be part of the team, I respect that. If you are just so against it and you don't want to do it, great. If you decide that retiring is better than just getting it and being there for the team, then go ahead and do that. But don't set your teammates up for failure by just being bullheaded and saying, well, because they're telling me that I, I, I should do it, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, that's the thing is some people are doing this to be defiant. And, and hey, there's probably someone out there listening and saying, hey, I'm scared of taking this thing. And we're not saying that you got to, but we're right. saying if the NFL, they, they're going to they're going to push this and it makes sense for them to push this. Also, these these NFL athletes, you're getting you have the, some of the best doctors in the world at your disposal um, to, to, to help to help you with this situation and to explain this to you. I think that this should be a no brainer. More teams should get on board with this. I know the Steelers are pretty much like close to a hundred percent vaccinated. Yeah. There's a few other teams that are like that. Uh, I, I have to think uh, Q, this is going to be uh, this is going to be a, a thing where we're going to see more teams be like, all right, get this done. Cause we ain't losing yeah. games because of this now. Exactly. You know, and the, and the thing about it, man, is that, 
uh, these teams, they're going to realize how how much of a disadvantage it's going to be. And and the other element of this is not not guys like DeAndre Hopkins because he's elite, but guys that are on the fringe of making the roster. We're going into training camp right now. Steelers already in training camp. If you're a fringe roster guy and it comes down to Chris Carter or Q, one of us, two is going to make the roster. And they say, well, they're about equal. They're about the same player. Well, Chris, he's vaccinated. Q's not. All right, Q, Q's cut. They can't really do that. And they can't say that they did that, but, but they'll they do that. But they can't. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they can't say it. But that if, if me and you are on the same level and only a spot, there's only room for one of us, and you're vaccinated and I'm not, guess who's going to be on the roster and who won't be? You yeah. will be and I won't. That's what they're going to do. That's the reality of it. So some of these fringe guys, like for the Raiders, Jalen Richard, He's already a running back that's on the outs looking in. He's like, I'm not getting vaccinated. They have us. We're acting like we're in jail. Look, you ain't going to have to worry about being vaccinated or being in jail because you ain't going to be playing if you, you know, I don't think the the running back room is really deep. You're a guy that's barely going to make the roster. And now this might just, well, lose your roster spot. It's an easy way to push yourself out the door because when you when you're in that situation, you want to make sure that you are as you are best friends with the team. You want to make sure that you are wanted by everyone in that building. And if they have to worry about a question as far as you might infect the team or put them at risk, and you're a fringe player, like you're you're not even contributing that much on special teams. Why would we go right. through the headache? And, and here's the thing, Q: they may even say it outright. Like you said, they can't. Yep. But there's no there's no constitutional protections for whether or not you're vaccinated against COVID nineteen, unless unless the, the the reason that you're not vaccinated is, is something to do with you know with, with how you are as a person physically, like your, your your race, your sex, your gender. But that's all been done with. And you know, there's there's a right. very small amount of people, and for medical reasons, who can't get the uh, who can't get the vaccine right now. That's a whole other story. If you have a, if you are in that that very small minority of people in, in the United States, okay. But I doubt that 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 and the even smaller minority of NFL players uh, w- would overlap in this situation. The bottom line is this has come out. Teams are going to deal with this. I, I think you know, like when you see with DeAndre Hopkins tweet that and then delete it. I think people are going to kind of, as the NFLPA normally does, they're going to be like, "Look, guys, just go with what the NFL is saying. There's nothing we can really do about this." And yeah, again, and I think it's the right thing to do anyway. I mean, just if right. you're on that team, that team mentality, you're 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 trying to all work towards the ultimate goal, which is win a Super Bowl. Why not, man? Make sure that everyone's available. Like you said, race, religion, whatever. I mean, if you have some special circumstances, fine. But I'll tell you right now, you're going to see some guys cut and you're going to wonder, I wonder why they got cut. Uh, They're very vocal about not being vaccinated and now they're not on a roster. It's going to happen and you'll see it once that roster gets cut down from 90 to 53. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I guarantee you some people are going to be raising all sorts of problems about this when we get to that point. But we're a long way from that. We got to get through these training camps before we get to those cut downs. To do that, we're going to preview the Jets training camp next up with John Butchko of Locked On Jets. We're going to do that. But first, we got to take a break and talk to our friends at Built Bar. Y'all know I love me some Built Bars, the protein bars that taste like candy bars. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. That's because Built Bar comes in so many different delicious flavors, whether it's coconut, raspberry, cherry barcia, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies, and cream. They have all the different type of flavors that you could want. My personal favorite, double chocolate. I'm a big chocolate guy. It's so nice. I got to do it twice in my Built Bar. But for the U.S. track and field team, they get the, the taste and the health. Check this out. These Built Bars pack 7 to 18 grams of protein, while their calories only range from 130 to 180 per bar. And they're only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. You get amazing flavors, all tasty, 
and all healthy. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at built.com. Back here on the Friday edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast. I'm Chris Carter here with your boy Q, Locked On Steelers and Locked On Raiders, teaming up to finish out the week here. We have, from the Locked On Jets, we got John Butchko. John from Locked On Jets is here to talk to us about the New York Jets. They've got a new quarterback. They've got a whole bunch of new players. We wanted to take this segment to start off talking about the offense. First of all, John, welcome to the podcast. How you been, my man? It's great to be here, guys. I'm very excited to talk Jets. It's uh, it's a rare time where Jets fans are optimistic heading into the season because we have a new coaching staff. We have a new quarterback. You know, thing, things are looking up. Although Dang. I... Although, although it is, it is, I have, do have to say though, it is a very sad day for the Jets yeah. franchise mm-hmm. because um, yesterday, one of their offensive assistants, Greg Knapp, tragically passed away. He was in a sad. bicycling accident, so it is a, it is a very sad day for the franchise. And I, you know, I encourage everybody listening to keep the Knapp family in your thoughts. Yeah, that's that's exactly where I was going to go real quick before we even got started. Greg Knapp, a longtime assistant around the league. Uh, the Falcons, the Raiders, uh, now the Jets, you know, and gets into a bike accident in Danville, California, man. And I remember when I first saw the news, it was, hey, um, you know, he's in a bike accident. He's in the hospital. Uh, it's, it's critical condition. But I don't know about you, John, but I thought, OK, well, he'll, he'll probably he'll probably come through it like prayers are with him. But he'll probably he'll probably muscle through it. And then all of a sudden to find out on Thursday that he passed away. And I believe he was, what, 58 years old. Is it 58? That's, that's right. He was 58. Just a, an unbelievable tragedy. Yeah, so all prayers and thoughts are to the Knapp family. I know his wife, uh, you know, he obviously is, uh, you know, survived by her and and his kids as well as daughters. And so uh, that's just crazy. It's crazy, man. You never know when it's going to be your time. And so, uh, yeah, to the Jets organization, the fan base, and uh, most importantly, his family, man, all our prayers and thoughts are definitely with the Knapps. Absolutely uh, on that. That's, uh, you know, it's uh, it's always horrible when something like that happens. So th- thank you. Uh, thank you, John, for your input on that. I wanted to talk to you, though, leading off with this offense. What's the read on, on Zach Wilson? What's the read on how he how he's handled rookie camp, mini camp, leading into training camp? I know everyone's excited about the, about the new guy, but, you know, there's, there's always going to be that early talk of how they're taking on the, the new challenges, the new playbook, and adjusting to life in the NFL. You know, there were ups and downs through the offseason program, but, you know, here's the thing. Zach Wilson's pretty much the undisputed starting quarterback for this team because the Jets did not bring in a veteran and you can debate the wisdom of that but I think that speaks to their confidence in Wilson and you know another thing I would say is obviously the Jets decided to move on from Sam Darnold this offseason and you know if you look at Darnold's three years they were very tumultuous with the Jets there were lots of ups and downs and 2020 was a really ugly season. And you can debate how much of it was Darnold's fault and how much the Jets set him up to fail. And I think a little from column A, a little from column B, but the Jets have been pretty vocal that they were not necessarily set on moving on from Darnold. It was just as much that they really, really believed in Wilson. And that was a big part of the decision that it wasn't, just that Darnold had disappointed them. It's that they found this kid at BYU who they really believed is going to be a great quarterback. And that's, you know, I said this, Darnold was traded to Carolina. I believe Carolina was picking eighth. And I think in a scenario where the Jets are picking eighth, 
I don't know that they and they're you know going to have to take the fourth, maybe the fourth quarterback on the board. I think there's a very good chance Darnold's back here this year. So I think that kind of speaks to what, mm-hmm. the, what the Jets organization thinks about Wilson. Now, I, th- I think there are going to be some growing pains at BYU. He ran an offense that wasn't that complex, and there are also questions because you know he did have the one big season. The rest of his college career was kind of up and down. Now he was dealing with an injury prior to last season back in 2019 that you know, may have impacted his play. I spoke actually spoke with the expert who does the Locked On BYU podcast uh, a few months ago, and he indicated to me that he was really struggling with that injury in 2019. But so I, I think you have to expect some growing pains, but this guy's the limit. You know, the, you look at his arm talent, you look at his accuracy, you look at his playmaking ability, his, his ability to extend plays, to move within the pocket. He could be, you know, he, he really has a chance to be a top quarterback. Now, how about one of his weapons? Uh, I know we talked multiple times over the years about his weapons that he has, and, and that was Sam Darnold's weapons at first. Last year, they go out and invest in the second round. They go and get Denzel Mims and almost expected to be the number one guy immediately. I've, I've never looked at Denzel as a number one, but a really, really good number two. Uh, how, how quickly do you think him and, and, and Wilson could get on the same page and really show what Denzel can do and also obviously show off that arm talent of Zach Wilson's? That's certainly the hope. And, you know, it never really clicked for Mims last year. Last year was kind of a lost season for Mims because he suffered hamstring injuries. He was he missed most of training camp because he had a hamstring injury. Then it seemed like he was going to be good to go at the beginning of the regular se- season. Another hamstring injury comes up. Uh, there were issues with the game planning last year. I mean, there were there were first half, there were games where he was really good in the first half, and then the Jets just went away from him after halftime. Um, so you know, as far as a rookie season goes, it was kind of a lost year for Mims, but you know, I, I'm with you. I, I think he's got a lot of potential and I think the Jets, unlike with Darnold, the Jets have done a really good job at surrounding Wilson with quality weapons because they went out and got Corey Davis in the off season. Yeah. They drafted Elijah Moore in the second round. Jamison Crowder's back. Jamison Crowder's kind of been the go-to guy for this offense the last two years. And no, nothing against Jamison Crowder. He's a quality slot receiver. He's a guy who you can go to on third down to move the chains, but he was really miscast in that role. He's going to be playing more of a supporting role this year, you know, and that, that's something that really suits him better. And in, in, in addition to that, and it, it's not as big of a move, but they went out and got Keelan Cole from Jacksonville, who is a good depth player. Last year, as I mentioned with Mims, Jets had a lot of injuries at the wide receiver position. Crowder missed time. They had Rashad Perryman. He really did not work out in part because of injuries. The Jets went out there this offseason and added a number of quality receivers. And, you know, do they have that go-to guy? You know, do they have the Julio Jones kind of guy? Uh, You know, probably not. You know, as you said, Hugh, is Denzel Mims going to be that guy? You know, there's a chance he's more more of the number two guy. Right. But they have a lot of quality, and they also have depth, and they can withstand injuries better than they could last season, I think. I wanted to ask you two, uh, a two-parted or two-headed question here about the run game because you got a bunch of new faces uh, in a lot of different phases of, of the run game. You got Elijah Vera Tucker, guy you got yeah, that the Jets drafted in the first round. They went out and signed Morgan Moses to so so quick boosts to the offensive line. But what's your perspective on Michael Carter, the new running back that they that, that they added to the background? Because listen, 
I talked to Candace Cooper, the host of the Locked On ACC podcast. She's a, she's a big Tar Heel. Listen, we were talking in the offseason leading the NFL. She was telling me, like, listen, you get Javante Warham, you're going to be fine. And so when I, was, when I was talking to her, I was like, okay, Michael Carter, I like this tape. What's your sense of do you think Michael Carter is going to be a focal part of the run game? And how do you look see this offensive line gelling? Well, if you'd like more detailed analysis, my Thursday episode of Locked On Jets was actually previewing the Jets running back position. So I'm going to give myself a little plug there. <laughs> there you um, go. There you go. Your running back well position done. is really well done. Oh, I'm a pro. I've been doing this a long <laughs> time now. Um, the running back position is really interesting from the Jets because there's nobody, every single guy there has question marks. And I feel like there's a real opportunity for Michael Carter to become the number one guy. Now, I think with the offense the Jets are putting in, uh, new offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur, he comes from the Kyle Shanahan tree. And while there are instances in the past where Shanahan offenses have, have kind of had like one lead back, you frequently see them go with kind of a running back by committee situation. But I think Carter could be the lead guy. You know, I'll tell you, heading into the draft, when we got to the second day, the only thing the Jets could have done that would make me would have made me upset with the second pick of the second round was draft a running back. And that was mainly because I felt like there was going to be somebody really good available later. There were people within the Jets organization who would tell you that they would have taken Michael Carter if they had a third round pick. They had traded up for Vera Tucker, as you mentioned. And I think, you know, I think he's a very good fit for this uh, uh, outside zone scheme that they're putting in. You know, that's, I think he's probably going to be the guy who gets the most carries. Um, you know, after him, it's interesting because you have Tevin Coleman, who has a solid track record. You know, he had some very good seasons with Atlanta. His 2019 was decent with San Francisco, and he had less than 30 carries last year. It's not really clear what he had, what he has left in the tank. The Jets got him on a pretty cheap deal. It's, you know, it was kind of a low risk moderate reward type move. I mean, the other thing about Tevin Coleman is that back in Atlanta, he developed a reputation for being one of the top receiving backs in the NFL. You're an excellent route runner. So he puts extra things on the table. Uh, you also do have Michael Pirine, who the Jets drafted last season um, in the fourth round. He did not do a whole lot as a rookie. You know, There are rumors out there, I don't know how true they are, that he was a guy Adam Gase really wanted. And if that's the case, that could spell trouble because obviously the new coaching staff is here you know there are questions about how well he'll fit the system and then you have some other guys who got playing time late last season you have a guy ty johnson who saw some action i believe q was when the jets played the raiders was that the game frank gore got hurt and yep. uh yep. ty johnson played he actually played pretty well and so did josh yep. adams although jets have uh josh adams he's more of a like a power back he's not a guy who really fits the zone it really fits a zone run game but I actually think he could have a role with this team because I think even if you're like a zone-based team, you got to have somebody who can run north and south and get the tough yards and like short yardage situations or when you're trying to close games out with the lead. With the lead, But, you know, if you look at this, there's not a lot of guys with a great pedigree. You know, back to the question about Michael Carter. So you, there's a real opportunity right there. You know, usually I say don't get – don't expect too much out of your fourth-round picks. Most, most fourth-round picks don't contribute much as rookies, but – Considering it's the running back position, which you know can be a plug and play position, and without much else as far as a sure thing at the running back position, I think Michael Carter could end up having a big role in this offense, and I think he fits very well with what the Jets want to do. 
Great stuff, John. We're going to roll into the defense here in just a minute on the New York Jets. Want to get some questions on you on that. But first, got to talk to our bills and our sponsors in just a second. Back here on the Locked On NFL podcast, I'm Chris Carter here with Keon Myers. We are interviewing John Butchko of Locked On Jets. How you Getting... put my government name out there all of a sudden? My bad, bro. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm in gold. I just want to know, like, I... I all guess right, you your boy Q. Your boy Q. Now you all want right, to put my whole government fine. name out there. Just for Q, we're going to restart the whole thing. I'm not really going to restart the whole thing. We're going to restart the whole thing and and and, and make so I say your boy. Okay, so here's here's my here's my restart. Okay, your boy Q and Chris Carter are here with John Butchko. There you go. And so I'm now just you're saying, John Butchko don't even know who Keon Myers is. That's my son's name. <laughs> so is it not your name? I mean, he is a junior, yeah. But okay, still. so why are you giving me a hard time? Why are you giving Just me a saying. hard time, Keon? Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'll call you your boy Q254. <laughs> I'll include your at. I'll include your at. See what at. I got to deal with, John? See what I got to deal with? Unbelievable. <laughs> I just want to say it's it's great to be here with both Christopher Carter and your boy Q254. <laughs> Reading straight out of the Zoom, uh, like little boxes. <laughs> yes, my guy. That's why he's my guy. All right, John. I want to. We got to talk about this defense now. This is a defense that's you know, unfortunately, it wasn't able to see C.J. Mosley uh, before. You know, but he's going to be back healthy. He swore in the offense in, uh, in the offseason that he was going to be back healthy. You got Gerard Davis, but Quinnen Williams still the you know a big focal point here. What's your outlook on the strong points of this defense and what it could rely on to have a better season as they step into this new era of the Jets? I think if you look at what the Jets did this offseason, it's pretty clear they want to build this defense from the defensive, the defensive line back. They went out and signed Carl Lawson on the first day of free agency, and that kind of cuts against what the general manager, Joe Douglas, likes to do. Joe Douglas comes from Baltimore originally. Now, he, he was with the Eagles and the Bears, but he grew up professionally in the Baltimore organization. And as you guys know, like the Ravens typically are not a team that plays big in the first day of free agency. They look for more value deals, but they went out and got Carl Lawson because they needed some help on the edge. Beyond that, they went out and got Sheldon Rankins from the Saints who, you know, he looked like he was on his way to becoming a, a star before he suffered a pretty serious injury in the playoffs a couple of years back. He's saying he's, he's fully healthy now. They went out, it was a, much more low profile move, but they went out and got Vinnie Curry from the Eagles. Who's been a decent pass rusher. You know, he's going to be a situational guy at this point of his career. He's in his thirties. Um, but you add these guys to a defensive line that was already one of the stronger points on this jets roster. They had, as you mentioned, Quinnen Williams, who in the second half of last season, really it, things really began to come together for him. His rookie season was very up and down. He suffered some injuries he, his role was not really that clear in the, the defense, but he really began to put it together in the second half of last season. Uh, offensive lines were having a tough time blocking him. He was constantly getting into the backfield. He, if he plays like that again through the for a full 16 games, he's going to be in contention for the Pro Bowl. Beyond that, there's a guy, John Franklin Myers, who's more of a situational guy last year, but according to Pro Football Focus, he was in the top 10 in pressures among interior defensive linemen. You also have Foley Fatukasi, who was developed into a quality. Now, he's a traditional nose tackle. He's a space eater. He's a run stuffer. But he's very, very good at that role. And, you know, if you look at this defense, I think it's pretty clear it's going to be based up front. The Jets are going to try and dominate in the trenches. You know, Joe Douglas, when he was hired as GM two years ago, 
he said the same he said the thing every gm says he says we're going to try and win in the trenches and as you guys know every gm says it not every gm builds his team that way but joe douglas in his time with the jets you know that also goes for the offensive side of the ball where as we mentioned the, the last segment they signed morgan moses they've used first round picks on the offensive line the last two years on the defensive side of the ball the jets really committed to it and that's a great thing for jets fans by the way because Jets have not had a legitimate edge rusher since they traded John Abraham to Atlanta back in 2006. Jets have been trying to fill that role forever. And, you know, you're looking at Carl Lawson to do it, but there, there's a lot of talent on this defensive line. There are issues elsewhere. You know, there are question marks elsewhere, but this should be a very good defensive line. Well, John, I get a little excited and fired up. And, you know, I don't cover the Jets like you do, but Robert Sala is a name who's been floated out there for quite a while as a guy who had the potential to be a head coach. And finally, he does get that spot. He lands with the Jets. Adam Gase was an offensive-minded guy. Sala, obviously, a defensive-minded guy. For me, if I'm part of the fan base, I'm excited because I saw what he was able to do in San Francisco and feel like that's how you could win is with the defense and then the offense complement it. How excited is the fan base uh, for Robert Sala to be the head coach and bring his defensive philosophies? And how fired up are, are you hearing that the team is, especially on defense, for those guys to be able to kind of be a part of that uh, Robert Sala defense? You know, Robert Sala is a breath of fresh air after the Adam Gase experience. Um, you know, you, you said Adam Gase was an offensive-minded guy. I mean, I don't think there was much brain power that went into the offense. That's <laughs> true, Adam true. I mean, it was, it was ugly. Um, and, I mean, you know, even beyond like what Salah brings to the defensive side of the ball, he just has a better way of relating with the players. You can tell it already. You know, one of the enduring features of Adam Gase's tenure with the Jets and really with the Dolphins was that some high-profile player would leave the team under really bad terms. He'd, he'd criticize Adam Gase, and then Gase would be interviewed, and Gase would be shocked because he'd say, I thought we had a great relationship. Um, it was something that, that happened over and over and over, you know, I can't think of many players who left an Adam Gase coach, coached team and had good things to say about him. Salah just is better at connecting with his players. And, you know, there was a there was something that really jumped out at me in his introductory press conference back in January, where he talked about how his role is to try and get his players to perform well enough that they will get a big contract somewhere, even if it's not with the Jets. And that was just like such a profound statement to me because it shows that he understands what motivates his players. You know, these guys, and he wants, and he cares about these players and he, you know, he's trying to help them move along. And even if it's, you know, a lot of coaches, and maybe this is something that really jumps out at me because of the Gase experience where it was always about Gase, but Salah really takes an interest in his players. He, he understands what, how they think. He understands how to get through to them. I think that's something that's really going to benefit the team. I think it's something that's really going to benefit the locker room. And, you know, the Jets for years have had a tough time attracting players. I mean, in free agency, they've either been the team that's had to overpay tremendously to get talent, or they've been the team that free agents have used to just increase their offers. They use, the, they use the Jets bid to get an offer from another team. And look, the Jets, picked, Jets spent a lot of money in free agency, but it seemed like guys wanted to be here. For the, and I think that's the first time that's true probably in a decade probably since like Rex Ryan was here in the, you know, those first couple of years when they went to the AFC championship game. Now, of course, what really matters is what happens on the field. You know, if the Jets go to 14 again, you know, they may not be a great destination, but I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to be two and 14 again. I think Salah is going to take this team in the right direction. It's been 
you know, I know everybody's always excited about their new coach, the first training camp. It's kind of the honeymoon period, but it's tough not to hear this guy talk and get excited. It's, and I think that, that that's something that really comes through when you listen to what the players have to say about him. Now, John, you talked about generating pressure and wanting to get, you know, get, you know, make sure you're building up front. Do you get a sense with Salah there that they're, this is going to be a defense that creates pressure by sending more heat and being aggressive? Or do you think they're going to, they're going to say, hey, we trust the guys that we've invested in, and these are the guys that they're going to get home using more four-man, four-man looks and letting the, the rest of the secondary kind of work behind them? Because some teams, they will send the house and get after the quarterback sort of set that tone, but it's finding that balance so that you can keep the, the, the offense off guard and never really know when you're sending extra heat. That usually sets the, the good chemistry of defenses. I think they're going to rely on the defensive fronts to get home. Um, you know, if you look, that's where they've invested this off season. The other thing is the corner situation is very unclear right now. I and mean, they don't really have much at corner. It's a big question mark. It's a, it might be the biggest concern on the roster right now. I mean, they're really putting a lot on Bryce Hall, who they drafted in the fifth round last year. Now, there was some thought that Hall should have been gone higher than the fifth round. And because of the pandemic, he had, su- he had suffered an injury that ended his college career. It was a relatively serious injury. And because of the pandemic, he was not able to go on, te- go to visit the team facilities to have doctors check them out, check him out. You know, he's got potential, but it's one thing to say that, you know, we like this guy. It's another to say we're going into the season with this second year player who was a fifth round pick as our number one corner. So, you know, I don't know that they have the luxury of leaving these guys out on islands frequently. And, you know, if you look at Salah, he's a guy who kind of comes from the Pete Carroll, Gus Bradley tree. And those guys tend to play coverage more. They tend to not blitz as frequently. Um, so, you know, I think that they're going to trust the defensive front. And if you look at the job Salah did, Salah did a great job developing kind of under the radar corners in uh, San Francisco. So I think it's going to be a situation. It, it certainly seems so far that they they're investing in the defensive line. They're going to trust that defensive line to do the job. And they're just going to try and coach up the guys in the secondary and give them as much help as they can. Well, take John before Q asks his, his next question. I got to say that you are overlooking the future superstar corner of the league, Jason Pinnock from the University of Pittsburgh. I'm telling you right now, don't you dare underestimate Jason Pinnock. Everyone who does regrets it later. That's all I got to say on that topic. Well, I, hope, ahead, I, hope, I hope you're right. And the only, I think the only thing people would regret more is not referring to your co-host as Q. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you tell a guy that's, that's covers Pitt? Yeah. That's he's always. No, no, no. I'm, I have no affiliation. None here. Yeah, sounds good. Well, here, let me ask John a real question about a real deal player that we know is a real good player. And and really, I'm, I'm being all sincerity with this. One of the best players on the Jets, I think Quentin Williams is an outstanding defensive player. But on that back end, man, Marcus May, franchise tag holder. He didn't get the long-term deal done. Jamal Adams is already in Seattle. He was one of the best players on, on the Jets in that, that safety role. What is the long-term outlook for Marcus May uh, with the Jets? Do you think that maybe in the offseason they get a deal done long-term? Do they franchise him again? Or is he playing for another team in 2022? I think it's up in the air right now. I think part of it depends on how Ashton Davis, who they drafted in the third round last year, performs. As you mentioned, Marcus May has been an excellent player with the Jets, and he kind of flew under the radar up until last year. And that's because he was drafted in the second round of 2017. Well, who did they draft in the first round of 2017? It was Jamal Adams. 
was another safety. You know, he was the first, first team, uh, first team all pro safety with the Jets. And May was always kind of the guy who did the, you know, he, he did the unheralded work. He was always a, a steady force in the back end of the defense. He made sure things did not break down while Adams was filling up the stat sheet. Adams went out to Seattle last year, and I think people noticed how good May was. And he ended up, he ended up being voted team MVP. He's a guy who's a great leader in the locker room. And I think that's why the Jets wanted to keep him around. I think especially putting in a new system, you want a steady guy like that. First of all, you know, you want his leadership in the locker room, but you want somebody in the back of the defense who can help you out, help you work around breakdowns as a new system goes in. I think one of the issues with May is that he was 24 years old when he was drafted. So, you know, he's 28 now. If you look at this on the franchise tag, he's making oh, around $10 million a year. And, you know, if you look at it, the way the Jets could play this out, they could franchise him again next year. And then he's 30 years old. And I mean, this is kind of tough. I mean, this is, this is the brutal business of the NFL, but at 30 years old, is he really going to be require a $10 million salary to keep him? And I think like if, if you're the Jets, even if you want to keep him long-term to work out an extension right now, it has to make sense. And I don't think the Jets are going to pay him. I don't think the Jets are paying him what he wants right now. So I think this is the kind of situation where, they may just be comfortable get paying him the franchise tag the next two years. And then there's a good chance his price tag will go tap, go down once he eventually hits free agency. Again, that's, that's tough. Cause again, this guy's been a really good leader in the locker room, but for his part, he's already signed the franchise tag. He's, you know, he did not hold out of the off season program. He did not hold out of mini camp. He's not holding out of training camp. He's taken a very different approach than Jamal Adams did when <laughs> Adams was having contractors to say the least. Um, so He's not happy with everything, but to this point, he's it, that unhappiness has not really impacted him. So you know, it's it's tough. I mean, this is this is the business of the NFL, isn't it? It's it's the hard the hard reality of the NFL. This guy's been a great player. He's done everything right, but his circumstances leave him at kind of a disadvantage when negotiating a new deal. Absolutely, John. Thank you so much for uh, for for joining us on the Friday edition of here on the Locked On NFL podcast. We always appreciate your work. Please let people, let people know where they can find you, follow you and get more of your work. Uh you can follow me uh, at gangreennation.com. I am the manager of the SB Nation site and of course on the Locked On Jets. And he knows that there's no such thing, Chris. He knows there's no such thing here as we go. anything nation, but he works for him, so he's got to represent him. Uh, listen, listen, No, he listen. knows that. We've had this discussion. He knows that. He's good with it. You see, Unlike he may you. be. He may Unlike be. I, I'm you. not. Yeah, I'm not good with it because it's not the truth. It's not the truth. Literally, I'm I'm, I'm at an event where there's Steeler Nation or like, like banners. Just because you're at an event don't mean it's real. I was at the event where they had it. They're again, they're a verified organization. They're an official corporation with their own like with their own charters, their own rules, their own policies. You th- you don't got that with Raider Nation. You got a couple fans saying, "Yay, Raider Nation!" Chris, again, it's Raider Region because you're not in Las Vegas. You're somewhere maybe in Los Angeles. Sometimes you're in Oakland. We don't know. Pittsburgh Steelers are based there, but their fans are the best spread fans in the NFL, which is why it is Steeler Nation. Stop coming at me every week about this, Q. I'm done. Before I call you out your government name one more time on this podcast. Chris, I live in Las Vegas. They actually have an area dedicated to UFOs and aliens, and it doesn't mean that it's real, okay? Just because it's there doesn't mean that it's real. So let, let, me, let, me, let me tell you guys a story. Is oh, The gosh. website is gangreennation.com, but 
It's true. I did not want it to be called that. When I went back in 2008, when I was hired by SB Nation, they asked like what your choices were. And there's this famous video of Jets draft blunders. And you guys have probably seen it. It goes around <laughs> YouTube all the time. And there, at the end, there's there's uh, when they drafted Kyle Brady over Warren Sapp. And this was a, like a very memorable moment when I was a kid because I was in the car with my dad when they did this. And I remember my dad telling me like, don't root for the Giants because we're from New York. He's, he's like, don't make the same mistake I did. Root for the Giants. But anyway, so when when I get hired to uh, create this website, the website, the site name I wanted was We Wanted Sap based on that moment. Nice. So, yeah. I like and it. I, uh, so, you know, we right, like it's like you said, Q, and I, I, I call you Q. I'm not going to use your government name. There you go. Um, that a boy. I'm staying out. I'm staying out. I'm not saying we're listen, a nation. Listen, until you know what, until you acknowledge that Steeler Nation is a thing, I'm calling you Keon. I'm calling you out your government name every time we got this podcast. Anyway. That's all right. John's going to be uh, on Fridays now with me. <laughs> <laughs> He's taking my job. He's taking you my job. You have been replaced. I've been replaced. All right, Q, let people know they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. At your boy Q254 <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> That's where you can find everything. Host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. Host of Locked On Bets. Uh, do a lot of work uh, in, in Las Vegas, uh, close, near and dear to the Raiders. Very excited about that. It's my new adventure. So, uh, yeah, man, it's a lot of fun. But definitely check me out on Twitter, at your boy Q254. What about you? You can follow me, Chris Carter, on Twitter and Instagram, at Carter Critiques. You can also read my work at DKPittsburghSports.com. I'm host of the Locked On Steelers podcast. Also, throughout training camp starting Tuesday on Steeler Nation Radio, tune in. You can go to that and get to the Steelers app. Go to the Steelers app and listen to Steeler Nation Radio all the time. But 4 to 6, I'll be with Adam Crowley breaking down things on training camp there, as well as the Locked On Steelers podcast. A lot of different ways to catch me. Catch all of us on those platforms. And, hey, when you get a chance, Locked On Jets, Locked On Raiders, Locked On Steelers, Locked On NFL. If you're enjoying these shows, rate us five stars, leave, leave us positive comments. Those things help out the entire Locked On Podcast Network and all the great things we do here. Remember to subscribe to all of our shows. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the app Odyssey. It's A-U-D-A-C-Y Odyssey. Thanks again for listening. We're wrapping up the week here. We'll be back strong here in the Locked On NFL Podcast on Monday.